You're listening to In Country, a podcast covering Marvel Comics, The Nom. Hello and welcome to episode 35 of In Country, a podcast that is taking a complete look at the Marvel comic series, The Nom. I am your host, Tom Panarins. This time around, I am continuing on with the series by taking a look at issue number 31 of The Nom, which brings to head a plot that's been going on in the background for at least the last couple of issues, and that is the storyline involving Ader and the Vietnamese girl with whom he has fallen in love. Our song this time around is Hello, I Love You by The Doors, which is from their 1968 album Waiting for the Sun, and was also a number one hit. Interestingly, Ray Davies of The Kinks claimed that The Doors had ripped them off, and a court in the United Kingdom actually found in favor of Davies, despite the fact that Robbie Krieger has always maintained that they they did not rip off The Kinks song all day and all night, and were instead inspired by Cream's Sunshine of Your Love. Fire and Ice is the name of our story. Some say the world will end in fire. Some say in ice. From what I've tasted of desire, I hold with those who flavor fire. But if it had to perish twice, I think I know enough of hate to say that destruction ice is also great and would suffice. Robert Frost. Did that off the top of my head. Um, fire and Ice is the name of our story. And this time around in the NOM number 31. It came out on February 28th, 1989 with a cover date of June of 1989. Cover was by Ron Wagner and Andrew Kubert. Shows Ader in bed reading a comic book with his girlfriend while a VC soldier walks into the room holding an AK-47. It is a hint as to what's going to happen in this issue, and those of us who have been reading up until this point definitely were going to be interested. We open on a hot night in August 1968, the provincial capital of Tainin, close to the Cambodian border and the base of the 23rd Infantry. Ader is complaining to his girlfriend that he is not treated with any respect by his fellow soldiers. In fact, they treat him like he's a little kid. It's then when two armed VC enter the apartment. The next morning, just outside of Tainin, the guys wonder if Ader is okay, and Martini comments that he thought Ice confined him to barracks. Pig replies, So did Ice! And we see that Ice isn't very happy. Biggs relays their instructions. They are to go into the city and find the enemy, leaving the city intact. They charge the city and are met with enemy fire. They manage to get the better of the enemy and then continue into the town. Pig and Martini go down one street and Pig starts to notice that the town seems familiar. Then it dawns on him. This is where Eater's girlfriend lives. Ice asks him if he's sure, and Pig says he's definitely sure. Ader described the street in great detail. Biggs asks what Pig means, and Ice confesses that Ader is AWOL. Just as Biggs begins to lay into Ice about how he never told them about Ader, a sniper takes a shot at them. Callahan goes down, and Pig goes after him, running across the street. While the sniper aims at Pig, Ice and Biggs start shooting and blow the guy clear out of the window where he'd set up. Callahan, thankfully, only has a scratch. Ice gives Pig some grief for acting so impulsively. Pig apologizes, and Biggs wonders why he's so upset with Pig when Pig should be getting accommodation. Ice takes the time to point out that had they done things by the book, they wouldn't be alive, and that you sometimes have to think a little more realistically when you're in Vietnam. Pig comes upon the apartment where Ader has been staying, and they enter the house. A short search later, they find Ader's body. 
Ice pulls out his shotgun. Biggs asks if that's illegal, and Ice asks if the VC did anything legal to kill Ader. Ice begins to walk off in search of the men who killed Ader. Outside, however, they get orders to move to the town hall to fight a couple of NVA regular divisions. A short walk later, they come upon town hall, which is a complete mess. They set up and start firing, pouring it on, and seeing some quick success. Two people get past the firing, and Ice catches them before they can get the jump on the lieutenant firing on them with his shotgun. He makes a comment about using his, quote, illegal weapon, and then saves Biggs from a sniper, just as he says it's obvious that Charlie is bugging out. He knows this because the sniper is less accurate than the regular snipers, so the more chaotic firing is simply meant to slow them down. Several exhausting hours later, Ice and Biggs have been having a conversation about how pointless this seems, and Ice says that nobody really seems to know what they're doing around here. Biggs says that Ice certainly seems to know what to do. Ice says that he, if he knew what he was doing, he definitely wouldn't be there. Then they head toward the hooch. Biggs invites the guys to the club for drinks, and Ice tells them he's okay. They get to, to the hooch, and we see Ader's bed with his comics on the footlocker. The rest of the guys head to the club, and Ice straightens up the comics, saying, Stupid kid, why wouldn't you listen? You were one of mine. One of mine. Blast you, Ader. We then see him gripping those comics in his hand, while two choppers fly overhead. This is another good one. And once again, Murray writes a plot that's tight, and uh, Van Zandt or Isherwood give us a nice, solid look. Eater's always been a down on his luck character that I've always been a little conflicted about. On the one hand, you have a guy who really doesn't get any real respect, but on the other hand, he seems to bring a lot of it on himself. And I hate to sound like that person, but I think that's what Doug Murray is trying to get us to feel. He's always tried to get us to personally invest in his characters in one way or another, and Eater was one of those who was sort of the oddball that you felt sorry about. I'm also wondering if his girlfriend led the VC to him, or if she was taken out as well. The entire time that Ader is complaining about his fellow soldiers, she has his back to him, and even when the two VC burst into the room, she still has his back to him. Was it betrayal, or was he simply at the wrong place at the wrong time? That the 23rd happens upon his body, or that Pig realizes where they are, is kind of like a planned coincidence, but since this is the city near where they are stationed, it's not too far-fetched. The action, by the way, is well-paced. It's not an all-out battle, just several smaller skirmishes. Van Van Zant uses tight shots to get the action across well. I especially like the shot of Biggs almost getting taken out by a sniper on page 9, which is simply... His surprised look as a bullet hits the wall above him. And by the way, I'm liking Biggs more and more as a guy who is making a real effort to get in with the guys he's commanding, as well as also learning more about what to do and what not to do while gaining more confidence as a leader. You can see that the men respect Biggs more than, say, Alarnik. Go further in, by the way, and the discovery of Ader's body is done excellently because we never actually see the body. On page 15, we have a nine-panel grid, which is the following. Ice, Biggs, and Pig enter the room. There's a shot of Ader's bare foot and broken glasses, a shot of Ice's face, a shot of Ader's hand with blood next to it, a shot of Pig saying, blast it all. Those, those, followed by a shot of some of Ader's comics with blood on them, a shot of Biggs looking horrified and saying, how can they? And then a shot of Ader's eye, and finally a shot of Ice again saying, stupid kid. 
And then on the next page, Ice takes out the shotgun. We never see what exactly the VC did to Ader, and it's left up to our imagination, and it's possible that whatever they did was quite gruesome. Nowadays, we'd see whatever disgusting sight we're not seeing. This series has always done a good job at not being too direct. Granted, it was under the comics code. There was only so much they could show. But there seems to be with this a trust in the reader and the reader's intelligence that we'll get the hint. We'll know what's going on. He doesn't have to put it right out there. There's so much hacking off of limbs and mutilation in modern comics today. And, and, and I'm not a prude and I'm not, you know, one of those people who gets very squeaked out by violence and gore and things. But it's almost like there's too much because it's almost like you cannot, in, in a lot of modern comics, you cannot rely on the audience to imagine what's going on you don't trust their intelligence and here i think that's what that's what the art team and the writing and and doug murray is the writer are doing here they are they are trusting their audience to be intelligent enough to really figure out what had happened and to picture it in our mind ourselves it's it's a lot more dramatic and it's a lot more effective than some of the things i've seen even in superhero comics in recent years I'm going to take a break, and when I get back, I'm going to look at historical context, letters, and ads. Hey, Gene, we should do a podcast. Sounds like a great idea, Jeff, but what will we talk about? How about a superhero that we both love? Perfect. Someone like Thor or Captain America? Uh, both great choices, but um, I think they're being covered by somebody else already. Wait, I've got it. What about the Protector of the Universe? Like Voltron? No, no, no. The guy with the jewelry that lets him create whatever he wants. Ah, Green Lantern, nice! Close. No, this guy has cosmic awareness. Captain Marvel? Almost. I mean, Quasar! Ah, Quasar. Who doesn't love a good Quasar? Tune in to the Quantum Cast, covering all things Quasar. Yes, that's right. You can find us at quantumbands.blogspot.com. And on the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. Yeah, that that didn't sound scripted at all, did it? So, taking a look at Aider's comics this time around, we have on the cover Strange Tales featuring Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Doctor Strange, number 167, which has a classic Jim Steranko cover was originally published in January of 1968. On page 15, we have the same cover along with the Tales of Suspense cover I talked about last episode. We get one shot of a comic with some legs that may be Daredevil number 43 based on the way the legs are drawn and posed because it's Daredevil versus Cap. On page 27, we have a shot of Daredevil number 40 and Thor number 151. That comic is also shown on page 29 along with a Strange Tales that has Doctor Strange as the headliner, although not enough detail is given to figure out what the issue is. Uh, it's more than likely 164, 166, or 168, as well as Tales to Astonish number 99, which features the Hulk and Submariner. Finally, on page 30, Ice is crumpling up copies of an amazing Spider-Man and a Fantastic Four that I can't quite place. Now, on to August of 1968. This month's light. Well, it is and it isn't, because this month we have the conventions for both major political parties. The Republicans choosing Richard Nixon, 
The Democrats choose Hubert Humphrey. However, uh, a future issue talks about the Democratic National Convention, which was uh, significant that year. And I'm going to get to that topic when it actually is in the issue. But I will point out that on August 11th, the last steam passenger train runs in Britain. A selection of British Railway steam locomotives make the 120-mile journey from Liverpool to Carlisle and return to Liverpool. The journey is known as the 15-guinea special, and this is truly the end of an era, an era that, funny enough, I'm only familiar through the television show my son watched when he was very, very little. All right, letters and ads incoming this month. We have a long one, and um, it is it is long and it is critical. And this is this is why I love. There's actually only one letter in this whole thing because we have a really long letter. Doug's reply. We have this little kind of one panel drawing of ice. It's got to be from. Um, Wayne Van Zandt, which they must have put there because they just needed to put something in the column. We have a pretty long, um, he says it's a short one, but it's actually halfway, pretty, pretty decent nom notes. And then we have in the bottom right-hand corner, the U.S. Postal Service Statement of Ownership, Management, and Circulation, required by, <laughs> it's this whole uh, thing, which is not the indicia, so... But anyway, I mean, maybe it's just some legal mumbo-jumbo that they had to put in there. I'm going to read the whole letter. The letter this long, I usually paraphrase, but it's actually a pretty good letter. So, it's from Guy H. Lillian III from New Orleans, Louisiana. Dear Marvel, I have been reading good stuff, comics accessible to adults, comics like the Nam in Silence, content to let my juniors debate their quality. But now my voice is needed, so I'm breaking my silence. A boy unborn at this time, I began writing to letters pages that has provoked me to speak. In issue 27 of the NAM, he wrote and spoke of, quote, Americans, his quotes, who burned their draft cards and refused to join in what seems to have been a noble venture, the Vietnam War, that dumb and ugly, senseless and obscene, squalid and psychotic war in Vietnam. Those who protested did not, quote, face up to real life 
and admit that freedom was the war's objective. Implicitly, we were cowards. The country despised those of us who dared say America's policy was wrong and kept sending unfortunate brothers and cousins off to die. Our sin was to protest, to refuse to allow you to be slaughtered, to refuse to allow the reduction of our splendid nation into something blind, immoral, and vicious. For that sin, now and then, we are no longer Americans in his eyes. Ignorant boy. Boys, desperate for manhood and glory, often seek them in war. Our society has glorified war for decades in the mass media. As a country, we approached Vietnam conditioned by victory upon victory and the right of victors to claim moral superiority justified in a couple of cases to see each generation of Americans as required of bloodening in battle to make it whole. However, Vietnam was a different thing, not only in substance but in perception. It was seen on the tube in every American home, debated from the outset in American legislatures, and by some of us, understood. We began to notice that those of us whose fathers had the money and the brains did not have to go to Vietnam. Because we were, quote, valuable where we were. We were allowed college deferments and encouraged to take them. It began to dawn on us that the young men boarding these airplanes for the long journey to war were the poor kids, black kids, Hispanic kids, country kids, bottom half of the class kids. We bright kids, we rich kids, we college kids, we didn't have to worry. If we maintained a decent grade point average, we were home free. No Vietnam for us. How easy it would have been to enjoy that invulnerability, to let the luckless soldiers of the poor die on and on, to reap the benefits of our daddy's bread and our own brains, and let everyone else rot. But I, like the others, had a conscience. We felt the war was a waste. It had little purpose and cost so much. It is a lie beneath contemptibility to say that those who opposed the war were not aware of the sacrifices and courage and humanity of the Americans who died there. We opposed the war because we saw that sacrifice and that courage going to waste, being splurged on a lunacy we could not support because it had neither purpose nor justice to make it worthwhile. Our point was to save lives, yours. It has been a virtue of the non that you have, as best as you could within the standards of your industry, told the truth. You have presented a new generation with a view of the most destructive event in recent American history, from the experience of the men who were there. Recently, you have dared to show some of the horror from the point of view of the enemy, without prejudice, without with respect and intelligence and compassion. I wonder, as the month-by-month progress of the war in Vietnam and America goes on, will you show the courage of that compassion for those of us who wanted you home alive and America sane again? I wonder. Never think that we who protested the war despised the warriors. Our struggle was to reclaim you from disaster. You were needed far too much in this terrible real world we all share. As one American to another, believe that I return your favor and tell the truth. Doug says, Dear Guy and Tim Tolte, who wrote a similar letter, albeit with different background, While I can't agree with everything you have said, certainly too many returning troopers retreated with contempt for me to believe your final assertion that no protesters despise the warriors. I do understand your point of view. I've always felt that those honestly protesting the war were as worthy of praise as those honestly fighting it. The very next issue of the NOM, number 32, will deal with the precisely the home front issue and the way the war protesters are too often treated. I hope you enjoy it. I have to say, I'm doing um, these lessons. I got back from Alcoyne on the Western Front and, and, and episodes before that. I've loved the letter column in this comic book. 
I've always loved letter columns, comic books. They've always been fun. I used to write into the New Titans back in the 90s. But this is a special kind of letter column because there is honest and intelligent discourse and discussion going on between the readers themselves, between the readers and Doug Murray. Granted, this is 10, 15 years now after the war has finished. And for some people, the wounds are still fresh. But there's just this feeling that we're getting a lot of of discussion that you don't get a lot of times. You don't even get today because there's so much shouting at one another on radio and television and 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 on the internet and things. And and this, I think it's because it's print, because you don't have comment threads, because you don't have television. People aren't trying to get ratings just by these like, few seconds that they're, that they're saying what they're saying. That you have the moment to pause and reflect and 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 talk and and discuss and and Doug Murray um the other reason I, I like write, reading the letter columns in this comic is that Doug Murray himself replies to a lot of these letters and um he he clearly has his point of view yet he is very considerate he is doing his best to be objective but he's very respectful and considerate to other points of view. Uh, there have been times where he got heated in terms of his response to stuff, especially when we're talking about the letters that came in with issue 15, which, we, as you remember, generated a ton of letters. But here, again, he doesn't necessarily agree with it. There are, And there were cases of, of troops coming home and being spat on. But at the same time, he does... He sees his point of view, and he allows for that, and he allows us to, to make a decision on our own. And, and that's one of the things I love about this comic, and I love about the letter column of this comic book. So um, I, I've been really, really enjoying enjoying reading reading this these letters for this portion of the show. All right, Nom Notes this month. Okay, Troops, just a short one this time, although what's kind of funny is that this is longer than usual. Uh, next month, we take a look at the home front. We've got AWOL again, which is absent without leave. It's not as bad as desertion, by the way. Chinese fire drill people running around without the vaguest idea of what they're doing or mass confusion. A decoration is a medal or commendation. H-E, high explosive, useful for spreading confusion. L-B-J, in this case the Long Bin Jail, the place where troops and with disciplinary and legal problems were sent, not a nice place. NVA, the North Vietnamese Army, the regulars from the north of the DMZ, which is the demilitarized zone, the main enemy after the Tet Offensive of 68. The skirmish line, a loose formation with good fire coverage used to reduce friendly casualties and give better line of fire. E6, enlisted grade number 6. Army pay grades are E, enlisted number 1 through 9, O, officers 1 through nine, number 9, um, and E6 is a staff sergeant. A freedom bird is the plain home everybody was waiting for. The hooch is where you lived. MOS, military occupation specialty, your job in the military. REMF, rear echelon types not complimentary. Round eyes, European eyes, no oriental fold. RT, radio telephone. Tet, the Vietnamese New Year, their big holiday. USO, show. Entertainment provided by the United Services Organization, or USO. And of course, VC is the Viet Cong. As this month, the inside cover is our Campbell's Ruin Your Comic page. We are fisting for fantasy scenarios again. Quick Shots Kid is still there with his comically oversized aviator glasses, but below him is a dollar off all toys, one ninety nine or more. Tack 
at Y. T-A-K-A-T-Y. Takatoy. Oh, okay. Oh, there's a star. Oh, I get it. Takatoy. Over 50 games and toys to choose from. Look for Takatoy toys in supermarkets and drugstores nearest to you. An American Comics ad. Let's see what we've got. We have posters. Batman and Robin TV poster, which is huge. Um, there's a new poster by Mike Zek for The Punisher, which I think I had. That was a cool poster, too. There are buttons. Or Robin Memorial button. That would have been pretty cool. Deluxe books. So trades and, and hardcovers and stuff are, are around. There are some games, role-playing games. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle action figures. It tells us to see page 12 for more products. So there's two pages of American Comics ad here. There's a lot of stuff on sale. Let's see on page 12. We've got we've got grab bags. We have all sorts of Havoc and Wolverine. We've got uh, we've got them telling why order from us. Speed. Tired of waiting? Try then try our fast, friendly service. Service. All orders guaranteed for complete satisfaction. Quality. All products are guaranteed in undamaged conditions and are well-packed in boxes. This really is one of the more straightforward American comics ad that I've seen in quite a long time, to be completely honest with you. All right, moving on. We have Stan Lee offering us those two videos still. We have uh, an ad for the Nice Subscription Club for Mile High Comics. There is the new Punisher Return to Big Nothing 1695 hardback, which is yours free of charge. I think they're giving it away when you join uh, Nice. All right, bullpen bulletins this month. There is there are TV commercials. One features a kid faxing a back issue cover to the Amazing Spider-Man to his best buddy. Um, Lou Frigner is the Incredible Hulk trying to rip a pair of Sears pants to shreds. Um, the something about a Henry V production. Oh, that's being run a, run by their by bashful Bob Hall, who has been penciling Avengers and New Mutants here and there. Um, movies. New documentary making the rounds at all important film festivals is called Comic Book Confidential. Produced and directed by Ron Mann, it is all about the people behind the comics and features very own fearless leader Stan the Man Lee. Figures. Stan's been hiding out in Hollywood so long, sooner or later some producer had to put on a, the big ham in his, in his movie. Seriously, though, we hear it's fabulous film featuring such giants of the comics field as Robert Crumb, Harvey Kurtzman, Will Eisner, Al Feldstein, William Gaines, Jack Kirby, Frank Miller, and more. Which reminds us of our offer to congratulate, uh, to offer our congratulations to Frank Miller. He's been chosen to write the screenplay for RoboCop Two, uh, and then there's Stan's st- soapbox. Um. Marvel has been bought again because remember New World Entertainment went bankrupt in 89. So New World has offloaded them and the group that owns Revlon Cosmetic among many other companies outbid everybody and they have new owners. Our profile is on Mark McLaurin who is the assistant editor on Cloak and Dagger, Doctor Strange, Mark Spector, Moon Knight, Power Pack, The Punisher, Strike Force, Morturi, what the Marvel fan for fanfare, Shadowmasters, and the associate editor on Alpha Flight. We do have a regular Mile High Comics ad, which is basically, you know, just a big listing of what they've got. 
the same subscription ad with Wolvie, Hulk, and Spidey trapped in poly bags. We have on the back cover the Konami ad for Blades of Steel, Double Dribble, and Track and Field 2. And because this is a comic book, because this is the late 1980s, and because comic fans have acne, we need a Clearasil ad. Double zap your zits. Double thick, double texture, double the medicine. Treat the pimples you have. Zap. Fight the ones you don't. Zap. Double zap. Available in re- maximum regular strength. And it was around this time, maybe about a year later or so, that I would be using Stridex pads on a regular basis. And if you've ever used Stridex pads in the morning, and then later in the day you go into a pool, it burns. Oh my God. The Pain, the burning, the burning. <sighs> and on that note, that's the end of uh, this episode of In Country. I'll be back in about two weeks. I'm going to be taking a look at the next issue of the NOM, which is issue 32. Thank you once again for listening, and take care. You have been listening to In Country, a podcast that covers Marvel Comics, The Nom. The Nom and all of the comics associated with it are copyright Marvel Comics, and since this podcast is intended for entertainment purposes and I make no money off of it, no infringement is intended. Images, clips, and show notes can be found at Pop Culture Affidavit, which is located at popcultureaffidavit.com. Feedback can be sent by email to popcultureaffidavit at gmail.com. In Country also has a Facebook page, and you can like the podcast at facebook.com slash incountrypodcast. This podcast is a proud member of the Two True Freaks Network of Podcasts, which is a division of the Demanza Corps of Milan, Italy. You can download this podcast and many other great podcasts at twotruefreaks.com. Want to support this and the other Two True Freaks podcasts? Go to twotruefreaks.com and click the Amazon.com link. It costs you no extra money, but really helps us all out. Thank you for listening, and come back in two weeks for the next chapter in the saga of The Nom.